in sorting me out. Who would have thought that two months ago we started on a journey to really look at the Bible as it pertained to the kingdom of God? And um, here we are now on the last week. God's big picture week out, the perfected kingdom. We looked at this because we really value God's word. It's as simple as that. And I want to encourage you to read the Bible systematically, regularly. Read it for yourself. Read it to study. Find and take time. Find and take time. Our aims were to affirm that the Bible is one book written by one author, God. Over the last seven weeks, we have seen um, that those main themes come through again and again and again. Uh, we saw that a creative God who places his creation, that's us, in a perfect setting. We saw how they, they became deceived going after something they had already had. We saw the rise of God's people from just two to a tribe to a nation. And what we see time and time again throughout the Old Testament into the New and, and even today, God blesses his people. Amen? God blesses us. Wasn't that a blessing this morning just to sing those songs and to feel, I don't know for you, but I just felt God close as I, as I chose to press into him. There is a pattern of God's people disobeying God. Time and time again, you look all the way through the Old Testament. God blesses them. They enjoy it for a while. It's like it becomes the norm. And they just seem to lose some of the simple things that God said. I was doing some of my own study this week, and Luke 6 talks about the man who built his house on the rock and the man who built his house on the sands. And and the passage, I think it's 6.43, it might not be that, but Jesus is speaking and says, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do the things I say? It's just plain. It's just plain and simple. And yet time again, throughout the Bible, we see God's people, God's people that he calls his very own, his special people. Even, even in the New Testament, a holy nation, God speaks, and we seem to, after a bit, do the opposite. We turn to idols. We, they worshipped other gods time and time again. God judges them. We talked last week and there was like a yes. As parents, who of us doesn't put good boundaries around our children? And isn't there some consequence when our children break those boundaries? Otherwise, what's the point? Ah, mum and dad, they don't really mean it. I can get away with this. We put up um, a chore list of things to do, and one of my children, I can hide that because I've got four, said, yeah, we'll see how long this chore list lasts before things just go back to normal. And it's like, well, we need to know what to do because if it's there and you don't do it, then there has to be a consequence for choosing not to do it. Isn't there? And we was kind of like, yeah, it just makes sense. God judges his people when they disobey him. God's people re repent. Repentance is a beautiful gift. We must be careful not to make it something to do out of shame. Oh my goodness, he's having to repent. It must have got really bad. It is beautiful, you know, when we can actually wipe the slate clean again and 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 again. Beautiful. 
Let's not make it a shameful act. And God blesses them. And guess what? The cycle starts again. If you look through your Bible, all the way through, hundreds, thousands of years, this cycle. Even when Jesus, oh, let's hold on. Whoa, I'm getting ahead. Even when Jesus comes, even when God steps up his plans and comes in the form of man, we see a similar pattern. Christ's death made the sacrifice for sins forever. We no longer need to do animal sacrifice. It's no longer now. It has been fulfilled. No more animal sacrifices needed simply to embrace and accept Jesus Christ as Lord, supreme ruler of my life. God's people and now anyone. So in the New Testament we saw now, it's not just the Hebrew nation who are God's people. Now through Jesus, now through Jesus, God's people are anyone who choose to come to him. Anyone that choose to make Jesus Christ Lord. And here we see Galatians 3. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. That the blessing of Abraham. We saw at week 3 how God's, how God's promise to Abraham to make your nations, your, your, your descendants as multiple as the stars. This is it. Thousands of years ago, this is the point when, when Paul is saying this promise, this same story, that that's there is reoccurring here. That the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ, that we might receive the promise of the Holy Spirit through faith. Ephesians, now therefore you are no longer strangers and foreigners. The Hebrews would see themselves as elite. We are God's chosen people. But when Jesus came, we are now fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. Amen? Even when Christ came, though, we saw how Paul is constantly having to call them back, constantly having to tell them, put off the old man. Don't walk that way. Get rid of the old way of walking. Don't let it drift back in that you put off concerning your former conduct the old man which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lusts and be renewed in the spirit of your mind that you put on the new man. I'm a new man. Say that with me. Just go with it, ladies. I'm a new man. You're a new man and woman. Yeah, you're a new man. We, we walk differently and we've got to push out. We've got to push out this, this torrid that comes in upon us. It's the same cycle if we're not careful. It doesn't have to be that way as we'll see a bit later on. However, as we saw last week, Paul is having to call them back and he needs to, not, and he needs to remind them again and again and again to take off the old man and put on the new man but not only does Jesus die and pay the penalty he leaves the spirit we see that the work of the spirit in our lives man actually if you read about the spirit it makes stuff so much more easier do you know it says in scripture that that actually the spirit takes our groanings and our utterance and interprets them for God you can never say a bad prayer do you know that Lord, I pray, I pray, Lord, my, my, my teacher at school, my boss at work who's doing my head, I pray you get him. The Spirit takes that and says, oh, Lord, Ben is just so enjoying the patience you're calling him to. You can't pray a bad prayer. The Spirit interprets for you. And the Spirit has a work now. Someone's got a personal hotspot. I don't know if that came up on the screen. He gives us new birth. You know what? You, we must be born again by the Spirit. 
John 3, 3 and 5. All believers have the Spirit living in them. We could not be Christians without the Spirit. Read Romans 8, 9. It tells us that actually, if we don't have the Spirit within us, then how can we be of him? The Spirit is there to equip us to serve Christ. He's given to enable the believers to to witness of Christ. Look at Acts 2. The Spirit falls and they start to preach the gospel. The Spirit is concerned to lead people to Christ. John 16, 8 to 11. You need to look at these scriptures yourself. He's there to equip us for the ministry from within the local church. The Spirit is there to equip us for the ministry from within the local church. Why? Because every one of us has a part to play in the local body. The work of the Spirit just takes what we can do in our humour and effort and turbocharges it. Amen? And turbocharges it. That's the era that we're living in. That's the time that we're living in. And lastly, he's there to produce holiness. He saved us from the penalty of sin because Christ bore it for us. And the work of the Spirit goes on to perfect us. It convicts us. It challenges us. I just want you to get this slide. So here we've got here, you've got the, we have been saved from, from what Jesus did, it's a bit dark at the bottom, that's the present age. What Jesus did on the cross saved us from the penalty of sin. Amen? The penalty of sin is death. And we have been saved by that, those who choose to follow Christ and make him Lord. In the age to come in the future, when Jesus has come back again and made all things new, we will be saved from the presence of sin. It will completely be gone, completely be eradicated, completely. Everything that was not meant to be there will be dealt with. It's incredible. It's exciting, I promise you. More than your faces are telling you right now. It is incredible. However, right now we've still got a challenge of sin that's a bit dark. There's a little dark heart there. Yeah. As we live right now, there is still the challenge of sin in the world. Jesus, has, Jesus came. He came so we may move into the new covenant and live without it. But the present reality of sin is still here. There you go. Jesus gives us a new heart. A new man. A new woman in Christ. A new heart. We learn in, in week one we've got to deal with the sin nature. And only Jesus can deal with the sin nature. Sin was defined as acts, attitudes, and nature that is contrary to God. You can have great acts, you can have a wonderful attitude, but if your nature is not dealt with, then actually that's all for naught. And the only way you can have your sin nature dealt with is to accept Jesus, who gives you a new heart. And because of that, we are being saved from the power of sin in our life. And the fruit of the Spirit works within us. When, when Paul talks about being saved, it's an ongoing act. I was saved yesterday, I am being saved today, and I will be saved tomorrow. It's an ongoing act of being saved. It's a continuation. Ah, oh, I was saved in 1985. It's ongoing. That may have been... that 
couple of weeks ago was when Noah made that decision. But actually, it's being renewed every single day through the work of the Spirit in our lives. And it's not until Jesus comes again that the, we will be saved from the presence of sin. That's that pushing back that, that, that Paul keeps on encouraging us to. Take off the old man. Put off the old coat. It's like that old coat that you used to love but doesn't fit anymore. It shouldn't fit. It looks wrong. It's the wrong style. And yet we keep seeming to put it on again and again and again. That's the act of being saved. It has to be take it off. Take it off. Take it off. So this week, don't lose that. All the way through the Bible, God desires to see his people raise up, reflect him, and go out to the world to win it for the lost. All the way through. And all the way through, you see this cycle of man disobeying God and God again and again calling us back, calling us back. This week, the perfected kingdom outline key events in the rest of the New Testament as they pertain to the second coming of Christ and our need to evangelise. What is this not? This is not an explanation of the book of Revelation. That's not actually been in, in the sense of what we've been trying to do. I'm sorry, we won't be finding out today that Jesus is coming back Thursday week at 3.43. There'll be no confirmation on who the false prophet is, and no, it's not whoever you're thinking. Because there are so many different ways to see and interpret this huge imagery of a book. And actually, it's not really been what we've been trying to do. So relax. Some of you might be disappointed. Don't be, because there is some important things that Jesus still does throughout his word that we need to know about and we need to understand. Whether there's a rapture, mid, post, pre-tribulation, or whether it's a rapture at all. As interesting as that may be, that's not this morning. What will be in the notes on, on the website, but will not cover this morning, is the back four or five pages just gives you some views on how to approach Revelation. It's high-level stuff. The genre it was written on and the different approaches to take. If you really want to look at it, then we can point you into some good books, but that's not what this morning is about, okay? Amen. You should. Thank you. The return of Jesus. Jesus is coming back. Jesus is coming back. (laughs) He really is. Okay, guys, there are some wonderful opportunities for you to go yes and amen. I tell you, they're just, they're just incredible. Yeah. Um, let's have a look at this. Acts 1.11, who also said, Men of Galilee, this is the angel, why do you stand gazing up to heaven? Jesus has just ascended and they're waiting for him. This same Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will so come in like manner as you saw him go. He's coming back. Jesus is coming back. What else have we got? Revelations 1.7, Behold, he is coming with clouds, and every eye will see him, even they who have pierced him, and all the tribes of the earth will mourn because of him. Even so, amen. Jesus is coming back. Revelation 22, And behold, I am coming quickly. That quickly can be like suddenly. Just all of a sudden, things come and go. Behold, I am coming quickly. And my reward is with me to give to everyone according to his work. I am the Alpha 
and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. Jesus is coming back. Well, what's he coming back to do? He's coming back to make all things new. Everything that went wrong, the decision of Adam to to actually succumb to deception and choose to disobey God, all of that has gone on for thousands and thousands of years. Jesus is coming back again to make right forever. There'll be a new heaven and a new earth. Heaven and earth come together. I don't believe personally it's this ethereal place. It's actually, we'll have physical bodies in a physical realm with a physical king of kings and lord of lords sitting upon a throne. God is coming back for the bride. God's church is ready for him. Are you ready for him? And we do not have to live in fear. Am I ready? Am I okay? Oh my goodness, this is time. Do you know when you wear, our children, they come to the table and whenever now, Jake, one of them has got his white school shirt still on and we've got some like spaghetti bolognese. It's like, oh my goodness. And now he knows, he goes, and he goes upstairs, he gets his pyjama top on and he comes back down. And it only has to be the tiniest of spots. You're like, oh, that's never going to come out. The amount of times he's there, round the dinner table, sorry, sorry, and there's more of them, yeah? Top off. In the sink, scrub it out. We don't have to worry and panic. Oh my goodness, am I clean enough? Oh my goodness, we have to watch for him. We have to keep an eye on the world creeping in. But actually, just like spotting a fake tenor, the bank spend a lot of time teaching you to know the real. And the more we look at Jesus, the more actually our white Shirt stays clean around the dinner table. Amen. A voice from heaven affirms God will dwell with us and we shall be his people. Amen. Every tear shall be wiped away. I can remember being, being a, a child, believe it or not, and crying. And man, my tears were huge. And there was nothing better than mum wiping my tears away. There, there, Ben. And there was something just about that act of just touching my face and just wiping the tears away just made it all, all right again. That's Father God. Every tear shall be wiped away. No more death. No more death. You're missing some great opportunities. Hold on. There'll be no more death. There'll be no more pain. Do you know when you got up this morning and it's like, oh my goodness, it's getting colder and my back is stiffer. That goes. That goes. Do you know that knee pain that you have because you've been exercising, because you're getting old? That goes. Do you know hay fever? That goes. It's all gone. We can't comprehend what this will be like because our whole life is structured by the fact that people die and actually life is painful. Put your hand up if you've never experienced pain. Physical, emotional, we've all experienced it. No more death, no more pain. Tears are wiped away. This is phenomenal. This is it. This is really finished. It is done. It is done. 
Jesus is coming back. No more terrorism. No more greed. No more people trafficking in image bearers. People. No more murder. No more abuse. No more sexual immorality. No more lying. No more deceit. Yes is yes and no is no. It's a wonderful picture and we, and we do struggle to comprehend it because we've just lived in this fallen world all our lives. It's going to be incredible. Let's just stop and think about it a second. No, think about it. Wow. Father, you're coming back. I can't wait. But there's work to be done. The former things have passed away. Why is he coming back? Apologies, I thought I got an end of the slide. For those of you who are keen, you see I've started at the end. And I'm working backwards. Hold on, let's get on the right page. Jesus is coming back for the removal of evil. Amen. He's going to remove. It's... You see, we can't really comprehend what that will truly be like. But Jesus has got to remove evil. God cannot introduce the new creation until he has dealt with everything that spoils the old. Ever done a renovation of your house? You, you, you just got to get all that, all that wood chip off, all that flowery... Um, Curtains have got to come down. There's usually a huge skip. It's got to be dealt with. You see, up to now, he's been offering a way out. He's been offering a way out. There's been consequences. But now this is it. His new creation is ready, and he's got to deal with the old before the new can fully come. It's as simple as that. Anything that's left will just infect everything that he's doing. Just as we were born again and starting anew, this is dealing with everything that should be not there, that should not be there, and starting afresh. God's work, God works just as he always has when his creation disobeys his word. One by one, the forces against God are removed. They have to be. He cannot tolerate sin. He cannot tolerate that nature. It causes him to vomit. It actually says... I, I can't hold it in. It cannot be here. And we get it. We get it up here, but the consequences and the reality are severe. First of all, all those opposed to God are removed. The anti-Christian powers that can be depicted by the beast. Anti-Christian ideologies. They've got to go away. The false prophet and the devil has to be dealt with amen? amen where does sickness come from where does lying and slander and greed and all that stuff it comes from the devil the devil has got to be dealt with he's got to be dealt with the devil who deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast and the false prophet are and they will be tormented day and night forever 
the world system, which is society organised without reference to or dependence upon God, Jesus will get rid of. The world system, which is defined as society organised without reference to or dependent on God. And time and time again, we see godly principles being used in our world with God removed. And they work. Godly principles work. Man attributes it to their wisdom, their skill, their ability. It, it is removed. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world is passing away. And the lust of it. But he who does the will of God abides for ever. Father, I want to I want to do your will completely. Those who continue opposition to Christ have to be dealt with. There has to be a consequence for an ongoing rejection of Jesus. And for those now On the tape, we're just going to read some scripture so it will be silent. I want you to read it. I don't even want you to listen to me. It's Revelation 20 and it's, at, and it's extracts from verse 12 and 15. It's real. It's in the book. I believe it. Right now I have images of people in my family who do not know Jesus. That's why. That's why there is a need to evangelise this world. That's why. Yes, there's a big yes to run to. That's because there's a no to run away from. For some, we're thinking, well, why just doesn't Jesus come back now? Talked about this last week. Ben, it's going to be so wonderful. But beloved, do not forget this one thing, that with the Lord, one day is a thousand years, and a thousand years is as one day. It's basically saying, we may think it's been thousands of years, but to God it's nothing. And actually we're glad it's nothing, because the Lord is not slack concerning his promise. He has not forgotten, as some count slackness. But he's long-suffering towards us, not willing that any should perish not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Do you know what one of God's key, 
key weapons in seeking that none should perish? Do you want to know? Look around. Look at one another. It's his church. It's you and I. God has placed us here on this earth as ambassadors. We like that. They get to speed and not pulled over. They get in to all the nice restaurants. We like, we like the term ambassador. But there's a job to do. There's a job to do. There's a job to do. Matthew 28, 8 to 20. I want us to read this together with me. And Jesus came and spoke to them saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. And continue. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. That's for you and I. That's not just for the disciples who were there then. That is for you and I now, at this time, in this place, at this season. And that's what they did. They started off in Judea. They started off just around where that they were. You heard of, have you seen followers of the way? They weren't called Christians they were called followers of the way because it was so different. Then they moved out to Samaria and Peter has a vision that actually now Jesus hasn't just come for the Hebrews, for, 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 for Israel, but for all of them. Call nothing clean that I have called unclean. And then they move out again and we see at Damascus, Paul, Saul gets born again and he's renamed Paul. And then Paul goes on his journey, he goes to Cyprus and Turkey and Greece. The, the gospel is expanding and he ends up in prison in Rome. Back then that was the whole earth as far as they understand. They did it. Paul writes in Rome from prison as a bit of a signal that there will be persecution. The devil does not like losing people from his grip, 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 grasp. And there will be persecution. The religious and the political will rise up against the people of God eventually. It will ha happen. It's one of the reasons why we just felt God call us to focus on a personal engagement in evangelism. It's a personal engagement in evangelism. Hold on, let me just find where I am in my notes. We are all called to do it. We are all called to do it. 
2017, we did the road. Who remembers the road that was down the centre here? We had three stations. The one closest talked about a fellowship of people standing on the same spot, looking in the same direction, getting involved, working with the mission that God had given us more and more. We have seen that. Amen? We have seen that. The next station talks about the bridge, the hub, a hive of activity. Ever been here on a Wednesday? Last week, what day is it? It was Thursday during the day. I couldn't find a room suitable for me to be in. It has become a hub, a hive, more things on the weekend. That's happened. The first one was marketplace evangelism. We evangelize. But I feel it's the place we, we need to turn it up. It's perhaps if I was to critically analyze, not be critical. If I was to look at that, then actually it's a place we want to see strengthened. It's a place that we want to see grown. More, more of us engaged in evangelism. But I'm not an evangelist. Let's have a look. Ephesians 4, and he himself gave some, there you go, there's the bit that gets me out, some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry. It goes on. But look, why, why have we got evangelists? To equip the saints for the work of what? The ministry. Pastors, teachers, apostles, evangelists. Evangelists are there to equip us to evangelize. One, two, Timothy 4, 5. But you be watchful in all things, endure. This is Paul speaking to Timothy. Enjoy afflictions. Do the work of an evangelist. Now, I haven't looked into the Greek, but that kind of says, look, Paul, Paul saying, Timothy, I know you're not an evangelist, but do the work of an evangelist. We're all called. We mustn't make it narrow. The five-fold evangelist is to equip us all to go out and evangelize. I saw this tweet a couple of days ago. I am getting on it now. Look at that. I'm talking about tweets and everything. Kevin DeYoung says we are all natural evangelists for the things we love most. And when we love the Lord Jesus, we talk about him. We are all natural evangelists. Ever heard my Jacob talk about animals? He evangelizes animals. Mark Flanagan, you get him talking about bicycles. And he just starts, he, he, he lights up. Yeah? And actually, evangelists tend to not know when you've switched off and gazed over. Because they're just sold out. They're just absolutely, you get me talking about tech and ha- Apple, and I'll bore you till the cows come home. I'll invite you to the next Apple convention. And some of you will even come. Over the weekend, um, you and your boy were out at a cycling event doing some marshalling. You evangelised. And now you've got Elijah involved. Do you want to come, Elijah? I want to come, Dad. What are we going to do? Well, we're going to put a bib on. A bib? I have no idea. And we're going to stand there and we're going to tell people where to go. Wow, let's do that. We are all evangelists for the things we love the most. It's not to condemn But we need our love for Jesus to spill out and to spill over into sharing Jesus with other people. I can't remember where I went. Why? Because the gospel is good news. Jesus is the only one able to deal with our sin nature. Amen? It's like saying, look, um, 
he, here's the most incredible party, and there is actually going to be an incredible party going on, and there's no way you can get a ticket. There's just no way. But I've got some you can have. Or think of the biggest debt. Think of the mortgage, and you're going to another 20 years, and, and money's tight, and there's no way you're going to pay it off. You're going to have to wait the 20 years, somebody coming along and paying it. Oh, my goodness. It's like that. There's nothing people can do about the sin nature other than embrace Jesus in their life. That's good news. Because, because of Jesus, we will never die. That's good news. Because of Jesus, we are saved from hell. That's good news. And it doesn't stop there either. Do you know what? If it did stop, that would be enough. If it did stop, that, that, that is simply good news. I wrote some good things about this. Hold on. That is simply good news. The good news is good because Jesus is the only one who has the power of us. We've done that. He works in us and through us. He answers our ongoing prayers. He's there for, I think I've got a slide. Yes, Jesus walks alongside us. Jesus is always available to us. He's never engaged. He's never busy. He speaks to us whenever we listen. We just think he doesn't because we don't like the answers. He guides us. He gives us advice. He encourages us. He works in us and through us. He's ongoing. But you know what? If he did none of that, the gospel would still be good news. Jesus, to be honest, <laughs> to be honest, Jesus, you did it all at the cross. And the fact that you continue to work in me and through me just blows me away. Thank you. That's good news. That's good, good news. Philippians 4.19, And my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches in glory by Christ. Amen. It's good news. It's good news. And not all of us will go up to strangers and just speak to them about Jesus. That is one way of doing it. Many of us will work alongside people that don't know him. And in our lifestyles and in the way we conduct ourselves, we will speak to them of Jesus. Amen. But here's the thing that I think is really important. If I can just have your attention just while I close, just for a moment. At some point, we need to use words. We can talk about acts. We can talk about being kind. We can talk about just being dedicated. But at some point, we need to speak. And at some point, we need to use the name of Jesus. And it looks different to the way it did in the 50s and the 60s and the 70s. We're in a different time. And this isn't a sermon about how to evangelize. But if you look at the New Testament and the story, it's spread the kingdom. Bring people to me. Make disciples. And this isn't just a yes to a prayer. This is being nurtured. This is now not a swing in SCF to everything evangelism and nothing discipleship. Because it's part of the same continuum. And we talked about this, is we want to see people turn to Christ and we want to see them nurtured and placed in an ecclesia. I say that because that talks about people. If I say church, you think about this building. We want to see people turn to Christ. We want to see them nurtured and placed in his church. We don't want to see them going nowhere. We don't want to see them coming to Christ and losing or going off. And it's the work of us all. Jesus is coming back. 
Jesus will deal with sin. Jesus has called us to spread the kingdom. I want to do two things, and I know it is five past 12. I will get better. I cannot, at least... We've heard quite some strong stuff this morning, and the children are in. We've heard about people's eternal souls. If anybody here is not a follower of Jesus, and through not a Christian, not made Jesus Christ Lord of your life, and you know there's something missing. You heard about blockages, that was for Christians. But if you're here and you are not a Christian this morning, and from what you've heard, you want to become a follower of Jesus, then would you just raise your hand now? And I want to encourage us, the church. Because there's a lot of different emotions to evangelizing, witnessing, to actually taking what perhaps for some of us is my private faith amongst the confines of my home group and my church family and allowing it to spill over into the public domain. Jesus tells us we will be hated and I don't care what you say, we don't want to be hated. But there is such a need to spread the good news that he needs followers of him to take that risk. And I'm not looking for everybody to respond. And I'm okay, I need to think about it. I feel uncomfortable, Ben, when you talk about some of these things. But maybe you're here today as a follower of Jesus and you just want to reconfirm, I want to take a step up. I want to share the good news of Jesus through my life. Then would you just stand? If you can't stand, you can raise your arm to signify. And I've closed my eyes now because it's really not important. And it's not about me and making me feel good because people have stood. This is actually between you and God. And actually God will speak to you now on the encouragement that, that, that he will give you to make that step. Why don't we just take a moment? Heavenly Father, I pray that you would help me, that you would help us in our desire to let you shine brightly through our lives. Lord, each of us has a place of, of authority, a place of influence, be it at home, be it at work, be it in our social lives. And this morning, those who are standing are making a commitment in front of you to just reach out to those who don't know you, to share your love, your goodness, and your good news so that others may come to know you as well.
not for our glory, not for a full Sunday morning service, because you are so, so good, and you've saved us from, you've saved us from the power of hell, and you've thrust us into the kingdom of light. May we grow your kingdom. In the name of Jesus, amen. amen. And we end with these words. In the words of Jesus,